0: You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the weekly podcast on the Testudo Times Podcast Network. I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg and Cody Wilcox today, recapping the terrible game for Maryland football against Penn State on Friday losing 59 to nothing and getting to a preview of the Rutgers game this Saturday as well as some non-revenue sports they had some good weeks some good games this past week rather but we'll start with the recap of the Penn State game and guys there's a lot to talk about here but what really stuck out to you guys, stuck out to you guys
1: the biggest thing that comes to mind for me which we had Jordan Gold write a column about today is just wasted opportunity it was the sixth largest crowd in program history Looking out from the press box, it was the largest crowd that I had ever witnessed covering a game at Maryland, and they completely blew it. I went into the game expecting, you know, I didn't expect, you guys predicted that Penn State, uh, that Maryland would be able to blow out Penn State. I, not blow out, but you guys predicted that they would win, Um, and I kind of had a feeling that there was no way that Maryland was going to win this game, but I thought that they could at least put up a fight. And I think they just completely rolled over in this one, um, and it was, they just, they just they didn't look good in any area of the field, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, besides the fact that they were a big letdown with, you know, all the support, the biggest thing that stuck out to me was the fact that for the second straight game, the offensive line got pushed around. They got they, That happened against Temple and Penn State now, and Penn State was out, uh, one of their best linebackers was out of the game and what was it, the first quarter?
1: Yeah, he was ejected for a targeting call. Yeah,
2: and they still got pushed around and weren't able to do much, and Obviously Josh Jackson struggled, but I think for two interceptions. Yeah, but I think part of that had to do with offensive line. They just don't look in sync and like I said, they really got pushed around against Penn State.
0: Something Michael Oxley mentioned a lot after this game, and he's still mentioning it, is that they didn't execute and they lost or they lacked confidence basically after that first interception that Josh Jackson threw. The entire team seemed to be down on themselves and And Loxley said that that's his fault and he has to change that. But did you guys notice that as well? And do you think that is kind of a reason why they put up zero points in this game?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, you have that and then they quickly get out to a 14-0 lead. And that was the second straight game that Jackson had thrown an interception on the opening drive. And then he froze another one later in the game where they're in the red zone with their first opportunity to strike. And I think that was the backbreaker right there. It's 14-0. He has a chance to make it 14-7 and make it a competitive game. And he froze that interception. And as much as the offensive line struggled, and it did, and it has, and we've talked about that all year, going back and looking at the film, I didn't, I don't feel like Josh Jackson is making the smartest decisions. And it's hurting the team and not just in those interceptions, but like you said, it was give the other team momentum. That was Maryland's chance to make this a competitive game. And I think once he froze that second interception, it goes out the window. Um, like I said, if you look at the film on that interception, he's looking at Tyler Mabry from the start of the play, and he's not even looking around to see the open guys. Leak was open, there are a couple other guys open, and it seems like we've seen this in the last two games where there's just kind of a vision problem with Jackson on the field, and when you're in a game where um, you have linebackers that can really swallow up Maryland's run game, they need him to step up and be that passer, and he can't be that guy if he's not getting enough time, and then because of that is just throwing him a first guy he sees and not even looking for an open man.
2: Yeah, and the team talked about uh, leading up to Penn State, you know, putting that game behind them. And when you come back into College Park and on the first drive, as you uh, pointed out, Lila, is that Jackson throws another interception. You know, if I, they had to be thinking like, oh, here we go again, you know, some waiver of confidence. And then, as you also said, you know, they're down it was 14-0 and they had the chance to at least make it a one one score game and then he throws that other interception it just it took the wind out of the sails and I could definitely see their confidence wavering right after that play as well
0: and Lila, you mentioned the vision problem for Josh Jackson I, I was up there in the booth and I also noticed that he had his eyes on one guy almost every time they were throwing the ball and he he wouldn't move his head he would run over a scramble out to the side that that receiver was on, and he'd throw the ball. And I don't know if he's still afraid to get hit because he was banged up, but if he's just looking at one guy, the defenders are going to be able to guard that. So he has to look around the field and really just monitor. And not many college quarterbacks can monitor the whole field, but look at more than one guy and try to find an open man because he had, he had a guy in his head that he was going to throw the ball to, whether they were open or not. That's kind of what it looked like. And, and that's, that's what, what's
1: going to lead to interceptions.
0: That's what led to interceptions. That was that's what led to. I think in the third quarter there was a lot of pass deflections and pass blocks from. Yeah, him.
1: he almost gave up two more interceptions in in like one sequence alone. They were, and then got back to back
0: plays. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like if he if he looked around more, maybe had a check down to the running back or a short pass, but it was kind of him looking at one guy before the play even started and forcing it in there. And even we mentioned how he was getting sacked a lot against Temple and he was getting hit a lot. So we mentioned that he should try and throw the ball, get it out faster. And I think he kind of got it out a little too fast because he didn't want to get sacked. So he just kind of forced it in there and it got intercepted.
2: And on the other side, you had uh, Sean Clifford, who was the Penn State quarterback. And he, through everything, looked confident. He made great decisions. The only bad decision that Franklin said after the game was that uh, – the pass he threw that Nick Cross p- picked off. Um, so, But he was, you know, with his legs, with his arms, he was making great decisions. There was one play where it looked like uh, he was about to take off running and the linebacker stepped up and he forced the linebacker to step up with his legs and just dumped it over the middle and I think that went in for a touchdown. And he just did that all game and that's something I'd like to see more from Jackson.
1: And the thing is, throughout the week, you know, Jackson took responsibility for what happened against Temple. And he, both he and the coaching staff, directly accounted it to vision problems. And they said that that was something they were working on this week. That they were in several meetings for, that they were going over a ton of film for. So, for me, that signals that there's more of a bigger problem here. If you spent all of the bye week and all of the week really focusing on improving your vision but then it's going awry against Penn State. And it's it's quite confusing both for Maryland as a whole to have the first two weeks look like they did, and then now these past two, but also when you just look at Josh Jackson and how he looked at Virginia Tech versus now. Um, and I was confused as to why you spend a whole week working on vision, but then you're not going over anything that you said that you were working on in terms of trying to see the field better and I don't know if you just get caught up in the moment you're getting rushed they Locksley does always describes Jackson as a calm and composed guy but he did, he hasn't looked that way in the past two games
0: he looks a little nervous and he you can clearly tell he's lacking confidence under center and and he I, I've never seen a quarterback get taken out of a game two times in the same game, and he got pulled twice for Tyrell Pigrome in this game. I don't know whether that was to try and change up the offense or if Loxley thought that Jackson wasn't doing a good enough job, but Loxley says this is their quarterback, so he. I think Josh Jackson needs to do a better job of having confidence. He needs to be on the same page with his receivers, and I think the main part is just vision. You're allowed to get sacked. It happens in every football game, but it's it, you can't you can't turn the ball over and that's the biggest part the penalties and turning the ball over was what really hurt them so if he takes care of the football Maryland's offense should be working the way it did against Howard and Syracuse
2: and with Jackson taking so many hits i don't want to speculate but i kind of start to wonder if maybe his previous injury starts to linger in his mind at all and if that is sitting you know in his mind while he's in the pocket and he's taking all these hits throughout the game and just doesn't want to get banged up anymore
1: and if you look at the stats from that game you know Maryland had 68 yards passing only 60 rushing so only 128 offensive yards whereas Penn State had 619 you know Maryland only got uh you know 2.8 yards per passing attempt and only got uh you know 1.8 Yards per rush, like those are terrible, terrible statistics. Um, Do you guys account that to Penn State just being really good, or are there greater concerns because we haven't seen the best out of the rushing game over the last couple weeks? And now you have another injury, Lorenzo Harrison. It was announced today that he tore his MCL and partially tore his ACL and will likely be out for the rest of the season. Um, How concerned are we about the run game? You know, especially if Jackson can't continues to have these struggles
0: well I thought that it was a mix of Penn State's defense being really solid and we said they were top 15 defense and it was a mix of Maryland not being able to move the ball on offense they didn't they put themselves in the red zone I I'm pretty sure less than five times the whole game it seemed like they were punting every drive other than when they had yeah only 10
1: first downs
0: that's it 10 first downs it's it, you're not giving your players opportunities to run the football. So they'd run the ball, and the front seven would swarm them in the backfield or right at the line of scrimmage. And I think it's it's the coach's job, it's the quarterback's job, and if it, it's the guy who's carrying the ball to try and make a move away from a defender or open up something else. And they really didn't do a good job blocking either. So I think the all basically on all, both sides of the ball, we'll get into defense soon, but... The offensive side of the ball they really didn't do anything right and nothing went their way the penalties went against them they threw interceptions they got sacked and they couldn't block and that's why they put up zero on the scoreboard
1: and also with those 10 first downs only seven of those actually came from maryland like themselves three of those came from penalties so they only had four uh rushing first downs of their own and three passing first downs of their own and then you see penn state it has 30. Uh, you know, Maryland had never given up more than 21 points. They had never um, given up this many first downs. It just, it makes you wonder because, you know, we were saying, oh, the Temple game was a fluke. That's what everyone on the team is saying. You know, okay, Temple's caused Maryland trouble over the years. Obviously, Penn State is a very talented team. But there's concern there's a lot of concerns here, and, you know, hopefully Rutgers will be a good game to bounce back, but there has to be concerns, at least that I had from this game, of, um what this team is going to be able to do. I feel like after seeing that performance, I don't see this team being able to beat a team like like Michigan or Ohio State.
2: Yeah, in my mind, uh, Penn State just looked like they were bigger, faster, stronger in that game.
1: It, and they had more heart.
2: Yeah. But going back to the running backs real quick, obviously they're down two, and running back's one of the deeper positions on their team. But I think it's a little bit of a concern for the team because when you don't get the running game going – it puts more pressure on Jackson to throw the ball and gain yards. And I can tell you that during the game, after a series, uh, there was some frustration on the Maryland sideline between the running backs group, between Anthony McFarlane and Javon Leak, and and they were just talking things through. So I think as, if you're unable to get the running, you know, running game going along with a couple turnovers here and there, the frustration is definitely going to build up, especially when you play – Big teams, like you said, Lila, Michigan and Ohio State.
0: And I think I think Penn State is, is right behind Ohio State. I think Ohio State is one of the top three teams in the nation, which they are now, but I don't think Michigan is as good as people say. So Maryland, I think they can compete with a team like Michigan this year, but Penn State, Cody said, they look bigger, they look faster, they look stronger, and they look better on everything. That's really how the game went and that's how the scoreboard shows too.
1: I mean my concern is not being able to put up a single point. I mean at least in the past two years against Penn State, you got blown out, but you at least put up a field goal. They get zilch in this game. Nothing.
0: Well, there were times where they went for it on fourth down and they didn't get it, but they could have kicked a field goal instead. But that's they wouldn't true. have they, I think they wanted to try and score a touchdown because they at that point, the few times they did that, they already basically lost the game they were down 45 nothing after the third quarter so I mean it was a choice that they had to make was to try and get points on the board or try and score a touchdown and actually work your offense and they went with that and they didn't convert on fourth down but it was also they didn't convert on third down really ever this entire game and Lila, you have the stats on that. Yeah,
1: only four of 15 on third-down conversions.
0: And I think Penn State was...
1: Nine of 13. Like, they they were very good.
0: So five more conversions on third-down for Penn State, and that can change the whole game. That could be a drive where you score a touchdown. That could be a drive where you take the lead. And it really was just controlled from the first offensive play of the game when Sean Clifford ran for a touchdown for Penn State. And then the next time, he threw the ball to K.J. Hamler. Two, two plays in, and they were up 14 nothing. So it was just right right away from the first kickoff, that first interception, and the game was in Penn State's hands.
1: Yeah, the defense was a big concern of this game. Even against Temple, they still held them to 20 points and were able to make sure that they really couldn't convert their third downs very well. Um, they were able to limit them on yards, but you didn't see that against Penn State. Against Penn State, they completely, the defense completely fumbled. Obviously, we had you know, some injuries and things like that. Um, with, you know, Marcus Lewis going out, Loxley says there isn't an immediate update on him and he thinks he's fine or day by day. He was very unclear. Um, and then we had, you know, uh, Oloa Timi go down, who he kind of said the same thing. On the only person he would give a distinct injury update on was Lorenzo Harrison. But, you know, when you're giving up 619 yards, you're allowing them to convert 9 of 13 third downs. Um, and you're letting them, uh, convert on every single one of their red zone chances, going seven for seven, six of which were touchdowns and one of which was a field goal. You're really not doing yourself any favors. And also, 21 of Penn State's points were off turnover. So, while the defense was really, really bad, also I think offensive turnovers played a role in it. But still, to allow that kind of production in the red zone and on third down is not something that we have seen from Maryland so far this season, even in that loss to Temple.
2: Yeah, and usually defense leads to offense, and that's exactly what Penn, Temple, excuse me, Penn State was able to execute. Unfortunately, I believe Maryland's only turnover that they they got was Nick Cross's interception, correct?
1: Yeah, and they weren't able to get and, anything going with exactly.
2: that. Exactly. So, obviously, Maryland dealt with a bunch of injuries that night. Uh, like you said, with Marcus Lewis, Kenny Bennett came in, and then he exited the game. But they also missed a – he couldn't make any tackles on this one play. 17 uh, missed tackles, 17. which is the most all season. Yeah. So KJ Hamler just took a short little slant route, and I forget who came up, but he just bumped him, kept on running, and he was able to get around Marcus Loops. And if you're going to play the teams like the Penn State, like the Ohio State, like the Michigan State, you need to wrap up and limit their playmakers.
1: And really any team in the Big Ten is going to have big playmakers. Um, even if it's not a great overall team, these are teams that know how to recruit. Mm-hmm. And you you saw that a little bit with the wide receivers at Temple. Um, obviously not to this level, but, you know, if they're going to compete, something has to be figured out because it's just not looking great right now. And I think a lot of it comes down to on both sides of the ball in the trenches with the defensive line and offensive line. The offensive line has looked a mess. Um, you know, they've got just been dealing with injuries and um just have not been protecting jackson at all and then on the defensive line there's just not enough pressure and then you're kind of leaving it all to the uh other guys on the field who haven't been able to make the plays that they need to make
0: so we'll get into some non-revenue sports now before we preview the game against rutgers for maryland football and we'll start with men's soccer they moved to four three and one overall oh one and one in the big 10 so still looking for that first conference win They're coming off a nil-nil tie in Madison against the Wisconsin Badgers. And that's where goaltender Nicholas Newman had five saves. But they're playing close games all season. And they've had games, their highest margin of victory, or loss rather, is losing by two goals. They lost 2-0 to Virginia and 3-1 to Northwestern. So every win they've had has come by one goal winning by more, uh, one goal more than the other team. So it's I think Cody mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast was that last year they they won these close games and that got them to the national championship and it got them to win it. So do we think that they can try and keep winning these close games these one nothing 2 to 1 victories and can they get back to the NCAA championship?
1: I think they're just in a really tough position right now if all the injuries that they've dealt with early on and you know, they had already lost, I I've talked about was they had, hard, they had already lost talent going into the season. And then, you know, you add in some of the injuries they had, and I think that makes it really difficult. I think um, one thing I've seen is just not being able to finish when they need to. Um, you know, they have a better team against Wisconsin. They had the most shots that they've had all season, but they couldn't get anything going. And I think that's been a big concern. It'll be good to have them at Lugwood Field by the time this podcast comes out. It'll be the day of the game they're playing on Wednesday. I think this is a must win for them. You can't start, you know, three games into the conference season without a win. Um, But I I am concerned, and I think that it's not necessarily something that the team is doing wrong. I think it's they don't really have all the pieces they need at the moment.
2: In one consistent part of their team right now, it looks like, uh, Nicholas Newman. It appears that he might have won over the goalkeeping job, so that'll be nice to have, you know, a good keeper back there. He's young, somebody that Sasho can help morph and work with, but I think that'll help them out going forward. Jumping over to women's soccer. Uh, most recently, they had a upset against number 20 Rutgers in Piscataway 2-1. to one. That's their first win... Over a ranked opponent since 2014.
1: Over a ranked opponent on the road. Yes. First ranked opponent since 2018 and first road win since 2017.
2: Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to call and Lila help me out with these names here.
1: Uh, yeah, so you had uh, Hope Lewandowski and Alyssa Porch both score goals in that. Alyssa Porch has been on fire uh, for the team so far this year. Um, and, you know, they... Hadn't won two straight since the two opening games, as Cody mentioned last week, Mm -hmm. Um, and now they've won their second straight game. They already have a better Big Ten record than they ended with last season, as well as a better regular record. Um, And Rutgers was actually the toughest Big Ten team that they're going to face this year since they don't face Penn State. So I think that's definitely a positive sign. This team has been very up and down, so um, we'll have to see how that pans out. But this is definitely the best a Maryland women's soccer team that we've seen in several several years.
0: And for field hockey, it was Linda Cabano who got the job done in both games last week. Tuesday of last week, they, the Terps defeated number 10 Princeton in overtime. And Cody, you made your prediction on that one. I think you said it would be one nothing in double OT, but... This one it was a lot of goals actually it was 4 to 3 in overtime and
1: but well, we called overtime it was we, we, we knew that. it was going to be overtime cuz it's Maryland
0: personally. I think I'm we were 0 right. for like 8 on predictions this year. Melinda Cabana one of the midfielders for the Terps had two goals in this one. Both of them came when Maryland was down 1 nothing, they tied it and then down 2 to 1 they tied it. So it was a game of re- resiliency and that's the theme I've been saying all year is that they, if they lose a game, they go on these crazy win streaks. Or if they give up a goal, they somehow always tie it right back up. And that's what they did. Linda Cabano then, they wanted to face Rutgers, and they beat them 2-1. to one. Rutgers ranked 18th in the country at the time. Cabano scored two more goals in this one. So she's really found her groove, and she helped the Terps to win two games this past week. And now they are 9-1 and one overall and 2-0 and oh in the Big Ten. And that game against Princeton actually – in overtime, it was Hannah Bond who hit a goal with time expiring in the first overtime period. And I've never seen a buzzer beater goal in field hockey like that. And to see like the girls basically, when that went in and they reviewed it and then it, they counted the goal, there was a lot of emotion and cheer from that entire team and from head coach Missy Maharg. So they're now winners of six straight. Can they continue this and get back to the third straight national championship?
1: I, I think so. I think that this is a team that's very well coached and Missy Mahar. I actually thought it was very funny in that Princeton game. I had a bit of deja vu last season. Uh, BB Dunrat always came out big against Princeton, and they went to overtime in both games last season. In the regular season game, she scored with seconds left to bring it to overtime, and she did the same exact thing this year. And then in the semifinal game last year, she was the only goal scorer in overtime. Um, And in that 1-0 win in the semifinal. So I thought that was a bit of deja vu. Um, Like you said, they've won a number straight. And I think that they can. They face Northwestern now uh, in Evanston and then home against UConn on Sunday. And I have that game against UConn circled. Uh, Those are always good games between Maryland and UConn. They've met uh, in the NCAA tournament countless times. Um, But with just the way that this team produces consistently year after year and the coach that Missy Mahara I don't see any reason that they wouldn't at least make it to another Final Four.
0: So through their six straight wins, four of those came against other ranked teams. And the next, they have eight more games left in the regular season. Six of those are ranked against ranked teams. So does that give any sort of doubt for the Terps or are they home free and they could win out or win most of these games lose a couple what do we think from them
1: I mean I wouldn't say like anyone's home free like they're going to take each game seriously and they're tough competition but I think that they have the personnel and coaching and skills to beat a lot of the teams that they're going to face I think that um UConn is one that could cause them some trouble though
2: and one thing that we've learned with field hockey over the years is whether they're ranked third seventh or not ranked at all the team is not going to overlook them. Exactly. So they're just going to take it one game at the time, to- at a time. And so far, you know, that's that's done wonders for them.
1: Mm-hmm. And one team that's really been um, that we expected to have a much better year this year, that's been a bit disappointing so far, is volleyball. Right now, they're eight and six on the season, and zero and two, losing both of their Big Ten matches over the past two week over the past week. They lost to Ohio State in the Big Ten opener in four sets, and then got swept by Michigan State on Saturday in three sets. Um, You know, they should have won some more non-conference games, as we mentioned last week, because the Big Ten is the best volleyball conference in the country. And this was the first time since 2016 that they have started conference play with two losses. And I think there are definitely a lot of concerns there. Certainly not how they want to look if they plan to make the NCAA tournament after missing out on the past two seasons.
0: Yeah, it's, it's they have they have talent, but not enough to compete in this this one of the best conferences in the country i'd say the big 10 and the pack 12 are the top two in volleyball and it's they they have the talent there with erica pritchard she's really the main the main talent and katie myers as well but they they don't have enough to be at the top with the michigan states ohio state Mich- uh, michigan even wisconsin is up there so it's it, it i think they're going to be now, I said last week, middle of the pack, maybe a little higher. I'll say middle of the pack and a little bit lower.
1: I also think maybe there's a lack of communication or something because they shouldn't look like this right now. I mean, Ohio State is not one of the better teams. Is, is a team that they've been able to beat in volleyball. I get Michigan State, but Ohio State, I think, was a team that they
2: should have beaten. And, you know, all the, the non-conference the, the players and head coach Adam Hughes called it preseason.
1: Oh, my God, that was driving me insane. It was, yes. It's non-conference, not preseason. But
2: anyways, you would feel like <laughs> as many games as they played prior to conference play, they would you know be in some kind of groove. In the past two games, we've definitely not seen that with this team.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see now what happens with them. they will face Michigan and Michigan State this week. So we'll see if they can uh, put up any fight against them. Should we get into the game of the week with, with uh, Rutgers? Rutgers-Maryland, always an interesting matchup. This one is especially interesting uh, because Rutgers defi- decided to fire their head coach, uh, Chris Ash, as well as their offensive coordinator uh, this past Sunday. And they now are going to have uh, Nunzio uh, campanelli as their interim head coach. He was only the tight ends coach uh, this year and did not start coaching college until uh, February 2018, before that, he was the head coach at uh, Bergen Catholic High School. So I think that'll definitely be interesting. What are your guys' reaction when you heard that firing news?
0: Well, it came after back to back losses, one to Iowa, where the Rutgers Scarlet Knights lost 30 to nothing. And then this past week, they lost to Michigan 52 to nothing. So when you're losing, as in the last two weeks, it was 82 to zero combined from their last two games. You have to do something about the coach, and they did, and they fired Chris Ash. Three seasons and four games, and Rutgers has not been a good team. And they have they can't compete with the other teams in the Big Ten. They, I don't know if they'll move out of the Big Ten soon, but for now, they don't really show that they can compete. And something that stands out to me is that combined Maryland and Rutgers lost 111-0. to zero. <laughs> this past Saturday or Friday and Saturday from Michigan winning 52 to nothing and Penn State winning 59 to nothing. Wow. So I think that'll be interesting to see who scores first and who can get a lot of points on the scoreboard if either team could but I think this game I think Maryland cannot overlook this one if they want to win and people overlook Rutgers all the time as I just said they I think I don't think they can compete in the Big Ten but this is a game that Maryland must win if they want to save their season.
2: So my biggest thing, I can honestly admit I have not watched a ton of Rutgers football this year. So yeah, I, It's such a
1: quality form of entertainment, exactly. you know, just every weekend just got to watch that Rutgers yeah. game.
2: <laughs> I, I circle that on my calendar, no doubt. But So I can't really speak on whether they'll look different or not because I don't know. But I'm curious to see how the team responds. I want to see if they are fired up, how they really come out against Maryland. You know, first new game under their new head coach at the moment. Let's see if they can jump out to an early lead. Let's see how they respond. If you're Maryland, obviously you can't overlook Rutgers, and I don't believe the team will. But this is the second game that they are on the road. So I want to see how they respond in another road environment against the Scarlet Knights.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as they don't want to overlook it, though, I think, you know, obviously as a team, you don't, but I think as media, it's interesting to see, analyze it with his head coaching role, because I just don't think that he's going to have the ability to call the right plays and be able to come up with the right plays to kind of outwork Maryland. Um, But again, we've talked about all these concerns. So I think that, you know, I think going into the year, we thought, you know, Maryland wins a or even just after the first two games, there's like, there's no way Maryland loses this game. they will completely blow them out. But I see it being a closer game now. Um, and there are definitely concerns there. And it'll be interesting to see how Maryland bounces back from two straight losses. And I think this is a good team to do that with. Um, but it's definitely uh, a concern, I think.
2: So Antoine Brooks said that they're kind of treating this like a week one matchup, you know, a little uncertain of what to expect. Did Loxley say anything uh, about the matchup and what, the terps are planning to expect
1: i mean i think kind of similar in that regard that you don't really know as much to expect but you know how Loxley is he always says that they want to focus on themselves and bettering themselves he doesn't really want to talk much about opponents i think even today he spoke even less about the ruckers as a team as he would normally talk about an opposing team i think they're really just focused on fixing the train wreck that occurred against penn state um but it's certainly you know, interesting to see Maryland, you know, of course, had an interim head coach last year. Um, Obviously, I think Matt Canna was way more experienced. Um, But they know not to overlook this team. And, you know, Antoine Brooks, you know, was saying, like, we mentioned that they're not overlooking them. They know that, you know, this is a game that can trip them up, and they're going to come in prepared. And I think that'll be really important. But um, I think that Maryland, this is a game where they can really limit uh, the passing game a bit.
0: Loxley did mention one thing, and he mentioned that Rutgers is always a team that kind of faces these coaches, coaching changes, and he said that he knows that the players are going to bond together and build a bond that they're going to come out and compete and they want to win and they're going to be fired up. That's what Loxley expects from the Scarlet Knights. So, And it's something that Maryland did. We saw Obviously, they were dealing with Jordan McNair and the coaching change and all that, but they really came together and they bonded and they build, a, they build a team that was able to fight against the other one and the opponent. So whether they have this head coach and Nunzio Campanile stay with them for a while, or if this is just a few games he's there, Loxley really expects them to come out fired up and build a, that bond to try and beat the Terps.
2: Yeah, based on that, if... If people, there were slight doubts after the Temple game, but following, as you classified it as Lila, a train wreck this past weekend, which it was, people doubt Maryland even more now, especially in conference play when you have all those big boys up there. Um, So I, I fully expect, like you said, Matt, for the team to come up fired up if they can go out there and limit Rutgers to like barely any points, put up offensive numbers that they did in the first two games, maybe there will be some more belief in what the team is doing this season. But we'll just have to find out to see how they really respond on Saturday.
0: And something that uh, Loxley also mentioned was that they they have to come out with a new mindset and he's always mentioned this is it's like one one game at a time a journey a journey that's exactly what Loxley always says so he's he's saying that they have to forget about the past four games and this is just the new game that they have to focus on and they have to do their job and do it right and do it well and they should be able to compete with the Scarlet Knights but there's a lot that needs fixing if you look back at the Penn State game and Cody, you just said that everyone or a lot of people are doubting the Terps even more, after losing to Temple and losing to Penn State in back-to-back games. A lot of fans, a lot of teams might even doubt them. But I think Maryland, as a university, all the sports, mainly basketball and football, I'll, I'll look there. But they, these two teams, have always been. They've been programs that, if they're ranked, they kind of get, in like too involved with that. And they they realize that and they don't perform to that level, and Maryland, I don't know the last time Maryland football has won a game as a ranked team, so they they lost obviously as a ranked team this year already, and then they went into Penn State with the most hype that any game has had in College Park in a lot of time, so it and they they got they re- they really got destroyed in that game. There's no other way to put that. So I think being under the radar and having doubt helps Maryland a lot because they aren't a team that deals well with the spotlight and deals with the hype of a game. And we said, Lyle and I talked about this, how Penn State is always used to playing under the lights and playing in, with fans there. And Maryland really hasn't, not many players have seen that before. And I think Antoine Brooks mentioned it, that I'll go into the defense again, that there's no, there wasn't enough communication in the secondary. And they couldn't really hear each other because of how loud it was. And some of the guys have never played in a game like that. So I think being doubted actually helps Maryland because I think they'll live up to the expectations of everyone else if they have the doubts.
1: But it's also a matter of how do you bounce back and get your mentality back after just being completely embarrassed. So that'll be interesting to see, I think, um, is like how they... Balance back mentality-wise, they told us today that they had a players meeting to really get back in the right mindset. That was called by Keandre Jones. And it'll be interesting to see how they come back from this. Um, but, and whether, you know, they... Because this game decides whether they go above 500 or below. And um, I think if you lose to Rutgers, you can kind of really lose any hope of a bowl game. Whereas if you win, you then can gain a little bit more positive momentum. I don't know. How are you guys feeling in terms of outlook for the season as of right now, what did the Penn State game do to your kind of I guess uh, expectations for this team going forward?
2: I think the one thing I took away from that, you know, as far as the season goes, is Maryland still needs some time to progress before they're able to compete with I keep calling them big dogs, big dogs, meaning Michigan, Michigan state, Ohio State, Penn State. So I I still think they need some time in that regards. Do I think the season's fully over? No, because I think they'll be able to right the ship. They they have a good series of games coming up. I believe it's Rutgers, Purdue, and Indiana.
1: And they have to win every single one to get a bowl game, in my opinion.
2: Yes, because they're going up against a tougher competition after that. So these next three weeks are really going to be the time for Maryland to correct their mistakes before they end their season with some tough opponents.
1: Right. You've got Rutgers, Purdue, Indiana, and Minnesota. But then after that, you have Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, and Michigan State. I can maybe see Nebraska, but honestly, I don't see them beating Michigan. I don't see them beating Michigan State. I don't see them beating Ohio State. So these next four games are really, really essential uh, if they want to reach a bowl game Um, this season, I think that Nebraska is a toss-up. Um, I'm not really sure. I feel like maybe they lose that game at this point, but I'm not positive. And I think that this Rutgers game will mean a lot because I think if you lose to a team like Rutgers where they don't even have, like, a head coach at the moment, I think that completely even further derails your momentum and there's nothing worse than to a momentum than losing, like, three games in a row. So, um, this game I think is crucial for that and I think if they can really get a good win here and build off of it then maybe they become bowl eligible but if they don't win at least if i think that if they don't win each four of these next four games i don't think they'll be bowl eligible
0: i think it's almost a blessing to say that they lost to penn state this early on in the season it was their first big 10 game the fourth game of the year and now they have eight games left to correct what they did wrong and get back into that bowl eligible place had they lost to Penn State 59-0 in Week 8 or Week 10, they really would have been out of it. And that, that would have brought their team down a lot. And if that was a game where they were fighting to get a bowl game and they lost it, it would have been a terrible year for Maryland football. But I think it comes early on in the season, and they have a lot of correction to make in practice. And I think they can do that with eight games left. I, don't think, it, I think it's very hard to win four straight games in Big Ten football especially as Maryland they're not a team like Penn State or Michigan State or Ohio State that we keep mentioning but I think if they don't win these next four games the game you mentioned Nebraska I think they'll actually they could actually beat Michigan and Michigan hasn't looked like a t- even
1: after a 59 a loss
0: Michigan hasn't yeah. looked like a team that they their ranking says and that,
1: that's true but still
0: they get the ranking from
2: the name in my opinion yes. cause they they really haven't looked that good this season and I did call upsets over Penn State and Michigan so far this season. I'm 0-1 there, mm-hmm. but I'm with Matt on that one.
1: I might have to send my upset over Ohio State after seeing this last game.
2: I will tell you, though, if Maryland is able, if they don't go bowling this year, but they're able to upset Michigan or Ohio State, I think that's a big win for the program. One, because I think that really hurts their playoff hopes, Michigan or Ohio State's. And I think it's a big win for the program in the first year of the Mike Loxley era.
1: So here are my two concerns there, right? Okay, the first one is I would have thought, okay, maybe they can upset one of those teams if they had put up more of a fight against Penn State. But as soon as they went down and started facing adversity, they did not bounce back up. And I think that you're inevitably going to face that when you play a team like Michigan and Ohio State and they did not respond well against Penn State. And for that reason, I just don't see them upsetting. But my bigger concern overall is that I haven't seen improvement, right? At least in the ways that they've said they wanted to improve. So um, I I feel like I haven't seen any improvement on the offensive line. I feel like it's gotten worse. And that's been a concern for us all year. And then um, I've seen a little bit better communication on the secondary, but I still don't think it's where it needs to be. Clearly there are errors there. Um, And I think that maybe they might need to revisit this man coverage. I don't that's panning out all too well for them but my biggest thing was what we mentioned with josh jackson um, and the improvements that he wanted to make on the offensive end that just weren't made at all and then you also have um concerns with penalties um they've only gone up as the season has gone on which has been a big concern as well you've had uh, eight penalties for um like over i believe 80 to 90 yards in each of the last two games um and so It seems like the things that Loxley and the team are preaching that they're working on, I'm not seeing improvement. And certainly, it's hard to show improvement against a team like Penn State, but I don't feel like I'm seeing the steady improvement that you want to see from a team at this point.
0: And going back to my prediction of them, actually, I think they will beat Michigan. And I look at the schedule for the Wolverines. They they should have lost that game in Week 2 against Army. They only won by three, and it was in overtime. And it was a game where Army missed a field goal to win it And that missed field goal actually sent the game to overtime because they were tied. And then Michigan ended up coming out with a win in that one. But Army should have won that game. The Wolverines would have been two and two. And now if you look at Maryland's next four games, Lila said you have to win all of them in order to be bowl eligible. But those are games that Maryland, everyone can pick them that they should win. They're not the last four games of the season where people are doubting.
1: Right, but I'm saying like realistically, they have to. Because as yes, Michigan is not as strong this year as it has been, but that's still a very well-coached team with a lot of talent. I mean, they just beat up on Rutgers, and you know, I don't think that Maryland and Rutgers are at the same level. I think Maryland's better, but I mean, there are some similarities there, and um, I think Wisconsin's a very, very good team. Though I will say that the the losses that they had earlier in the season, sorry, the one loss to uh, Wisconsin, and then getting upset nearly upset by Army was concerning as well. Um, And then the one thing that gives me hope on that with them, though more too, is also that first game of the season for Michigan where they're um, playing Middle Tennessee and only winning 40-21, but it looked like they bounced back a bit against Rutgers winning 52-0. Yes, Rutgers is a team they should absolutely beat, but I feel like they looked more dominant in that game than they have all year.
0: And if you look at the four games that Michigan plays until Maryland, they Their current ranks of the opponents are number 14, Iowa, who they play this week. They play unranked, Illinois. They play number 12, Penn State. And they play number 9, Notre Dame. Ouch. That's three games that Michigan can lose. All of them. And that would put them their momentum really down. And I think Michigan would be unranked at that point if they play Maryland. And they lose those three yeah. games. And they're coming to College Park. And it's in College Park. And it's homecoming. That's that true. Weekend. I just feel
1: like... Maryland has to win these next four games regardless because that's still going to be a very hard game to win. And also a momentum point just going into the latter part of the season where you're playing four games against really good teams. Um, And it all starts this week with Rutgers.
2: And that's the thing. Loxley, he'll probably challenge his team to not only win, but he wants them to win discipline. And I think if you build that up on overtime, which you said we haven't seen yet, but I still think there's time before they play other big dogs as I keep referring to but I think if they keep doing that week by week and we see that this weekend I think it's still possible that they take down Michigan in the homecoming game
1: and obviously they just face a team in Penn State that had insane talent across the board what do we think of the talent at Rutgers obviously not at that same level but you know they don't want to underestimate them
0: well I think they have something to play for and some people might say that they don't considering their coach was just fired but I think that kind of fires up a team more and forces them to want to win even more and play with more heart. So, I mean, they don't have the talent that Penn State obviously had. I mean, I think Maryland's talent over Penn State, uh, over Rutgers, excuse me, is, is a lot. There's a lot more talent for the Terps. But I think Rutgers, their talent might be increased more based on the heart that they probably will come out and play with having their coach fired mm-hmm. this past week.
1: And they haven't scored in two straight weeks, which I think will be very interesting to see. You know, my favorite moment, I have to say, of the Rutgers season, which, you know, I don't think they can be as stupid to have this happen again, but wouldn't that be great? One of the only touchdowns they've scored this season, like, they score and then in the end zone, like, one of other players, like, accidentally punches the quarterback in the face. Did you guys see that? Like... Oh, that was great! You know, I think that was a highlight of their season. I think it was so an far.
2: offensive lineman, and, and they were they were like running down
0: together, and they were just celebrating. And he just he gave him a right hook,
1: right in the face. Yeah.
0: Does that hurt the hand more, considering it hit the helmet, or do you think the quarterback actually got rattled a little? No, bit?
1: No, I think he was fine. He had a helmet on, but God, that was funny. I
0: think he was more embarrassed than
2: anything else. That that would be a that, that was like thing.
1: it's like you don't see Rutgers like highlights often, and then that's like the one, the one, one highlight circulating around yep. the internet. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see um it certainly seems like uh they've benefited a little bit more from their rushing game but you just haven't seen a lot I think offensively from them you know over the last two games like we said they have scored zero points and
2: they've been outscored 82 to nothing the past two games against as Matt said earlier Iowa and Michigan and we'll have to see if Maryland's defense, as you said, Lila, it was the first time they gave up over 21 points this season. Over 20 season, points. Over 20 points this season. So we'll see what kind of defense Maryland plays with on Saturday. Right,
1: and if you look at Rutgers' games, uh, oh, sorry, we misspoke. It wasn't the two last weeks they had been outscored that they hadn't scored zero points. It was their two games against Big Ten opponents. So they went 30-0 and against Iowa, Iowa. Uh, on- they were outscored 30-0 on uh, September 7th, and then this Michigan that we mentioned. And then they only have one over win, which was 48-21 uh, over UMass. UMass does not look good, very good this year. And then Boston College beat them 30-16 to on September 21st. So, I mean, against even against you know a team that isn't that great of a defense in Boston College, they could only score 16 points, and I think that says a lot.
0: I think it says a lot in terms of, Big Ten competition because I think I think in terms of Boston College, obviously they're in the ACC which is a good conference, but the ACC is very top heavy in football with Clemson and Louisville is good it, it, I think <laughs> I think competing against big Ten teams is the the hard part for Rutgers and they yeah, exactly. they couldn't even compete against Boston College and Maryland's defense I think still I mean their stats obviously are. Extremely inflated because they shut out Howard mm-hmm. in week one. But I think they're still, regardless, take away that game and take away the Penn State game. And I think you look at Temple and you look at Syracuse, Maryland's defense is pretty good compared to other teams, especially Rutgers. So I think, I, I mean, I think Maryland wins this game, but I don't think that it's going mm-hmm. to be easy.
1: Yeah, and then you look, we talked about Rutgers' lack on offense, but then on defense, they've allowed an average 32, sorry, 33.25 points per game. The lowest points they've allowed was 21, and that was to UMass, um, allowing, you know, 30 points to both Iowa and Boston College, and then 52 to Michigan. So I think there's clearly some both, you know, defensive and offensive struggles that are evident there, and um, I think that, you know, Maryland has to win this game, and We've been joking that, you know, this is a trick game, one that maybe they could lose just with everything going on. But realistically, if you look at both teams and the talent, it would be ridiculous for Maryland to lose this game. Though I do think it could be a possibility, Though it's not really where I'm leaning right now. So what are you guys predicting for this one?
0: And the spread is in favor of Maryland by 13 and a half. So almost two touchdowns. The over-under is set at 54 points. I think it'll be 28 to 17. The Terps win, so that's the under, and that Maryland does not cover the spread. I do think it'll be close up until basically the end of the end of the game. Really, I think Maryland will come out and be fired up in the fourth quarter, and that will get them the victory. But I think this this game is another one where everyone says Maryland always starts out slow. I think they will start out slow on the road. And this is their first on the on this is their first away Big Ten game this season. So I think starting out slow is definitely going to happen. I think Maryland gets it done late in the game to win.
1: Cody, what are you thinking?
2: Uh, I'm thinking real similar Matt. You know, they, I think they start off slow, but I'm giving Maryland the edge in this one with a 28 to 14 victory, their first road victory of the season. I think Anthony McFarlane has two rushing touchdowns and the Maryland defense has two takeaways
1: and I'm gonna say something along decently similar lines a little less scoring I'm gonna go with 24-10 um, I've gone back and forth about this originally I think I had like 31-14 but I'm gonna say 24-10 just because I'm very very concerned with how Josh Jackson looks right now we don't really have a gauge of where his mindset is at because he would not speak with media today or they didn't have him whatever deals with that um, but I'm concerned about Maryland's offense and I think that Rutgers is a team that they can 100 percent hold to you know very few points um but yeah I think I'm I think this is their game to get back offensively but I'm not convinced that they're going to have the type of offense they had in the first two weeks of the season I, I don't know if I would hope they would get back there at some point but right now it just seems like Syracuse was just a really bad team
0: thank you for joining us on this edition of the weekly podcast stay tuned for all of the coverage for football playing against Rutgers this Saturday and all of the non-revenue sports that have Big Ten play underway in their season. So thank you for joining us once again, and we'll see you guys next week.
1: Cool.